Welcome to the Spin Tune Sports Show. I'm one of your hosts, Al Bielsi. With me is my co-host, King Brand the Broken. We're here to shoot the shit and talk some sports. But first, I have to tell you that we're brought to you by the Cespedes Family Ranch. Our horses are stable. Make sure that if you enjoy these <laughs> shows that you rate and review us in whichever app you listen in. Uh, if you leave us a question, we'll answer it on the show. Fuck you, fuck you, Al. <laughs> Is it the Cespedes thing or yeah. the brand thing? Uh, mostly Cespedes. 80% Cespedes, 20% brand. <laughs> I had a different one, um, but this happened today, so I had to push it right now. The one that I was going to use instead of it, we'll hear next week probably. Got it. Well, yeah. Well, I guess you may not be here. Guys, just so you know, Shake might not be here next week. It's okay. Yeah. He'll be back after that. Yeah. We, yeah, we got uh, we got things. To... It has nothing to do with the Cespedes job. <laughs> it might. It might. Um... <laughs> Come on, it, I mean, if you don't laugh, you're going to cry. I, I mean, yeah, that was a very Mets thing to have. We don't even know what happened. He broke <laughs> both ankles, one ankle, five things in one ankle. I don't know what happened. It was well, a horse. It wasn't on a horse. It was a non-horse. That yeah, was the what does a non-horse mean non-horse. exactly? Uh, we'll get into that. We'll, <laughs> we'll st- do that after. We'll start with, with the other thing that's fucking pissing me off, which is Thrones. So, uh, yeah, it seems like you were pretty upset with the finale. I think most Guys, people... Guys, full spoilers for the finale. I think most people are upset with what happened. Um, I don't think it should be that hot of a take, but I wasn't that upset with the finale itself. Yeah, if you just if you do what you said you were doing, where everything I am taking with like as fact from the previous episodes, as shit as it is, yes, I'm going to go in with it. It, it just the, the fact they just are throwing shit at the wall, and there's no rhyme or reason for it. Well, the thing is, if you if you can get to the point where you understand what's happened this whole season. There shouldn't have been really any surprises in this episode. It wasn't. I wasn't surprised. I wasn't surprised. But, the it, again, it goes back to, I don't have an issue with the way, the result, the end result of what they're doing. I have the, My big issue is how they get from point A to point B. I had this thought today as I was trying to, like, figure out my feelings about the whole season. Um, and I'll see if, it, we'll see if you agree. I think you will at least somewhat. I thought the first two episodes of the season were fine. Perfectly fine. Them yeah. showing up at Winterfell, you see they've sent off Bran from King's Landing. They're kind of prepping themselves, the Golden Company are there, right? Second episode was them at Winterfell prepping for the battle. That was actually a really good episode in and of itself. Yeah. Um, it's the three episodes that came after that that are the problem. It's them heading towards, well, I guess the two episodes. How many episodes were in this one? Six. There were six? Yeah. I feel like I missed Three something. was Winterfell. Three was battle. Winterfell. Yeah. Four was the... Oh, yeah, okay. So, yeah, if you take the next three episodes... Battle of Winterfell, the aftermath of that one, I forgot what the title of episode was. Um, I guess the Battle of Winterfell was a long night, technically. And then the one after that, um, where they sacked King's Landing. Mm-hmm. Those three are the problem. If you took one and two and six as being what they were, all on their own, I feel like if you took a collection of pretty big Thrones fans to write the three episodes that went between them, like, this is what we're giving you a setup. And this is your endpoint. I feel like we could have come up with a flawed but overall fairly strong three episodes to lead there. That is the problem. I don't know. Like they did they they mailed it in. That the fact that did they just get so tired they, filming the Battle of Winterfell that someone they just like yeah go ahead and write it. We'll just do whatever. You I say. just like, think they got into the, they got burned out. They knew that they had the Star Wars thing coming, and they were like, no, we don't need the extra episodes. We'll do it in six. And they just thought people would be fine with whatever they did. Because the thing is, the, the final episode was actually mostly written very well. I had it. I mean, there was issues. I thought it wasn't perfect. All but over the place. I thought it was fine. I like the Tyrion thing where he comes out in chains and, and Grey Worm's like, "Don't speak," and he's like, 
yeah, but you can't tell me that. Hey, guys, I think Bran should be king. He's like, okay, that's fine with that's me. It's a little bit reductive. <laughs> but, I, I mean, I understand what you mean. I, he's I like, don't he's speak. Gonna... He speaks. He's like, okay, choose your king. <laughs> like, three seconds passed. And Bran gives our uh, Tyrion's in chains. And he's like, I think Bran should be king. And everybody's like, that's not a bad idea. Let's do that. <laughs> like, the fact it went from nothing to a guy that's supposed to be dead picking the king. I was like, this, they've lost it. They've lost the plot. As, as with all things, it was a little clumsy. Again, I actually really don't have a problem with the idea of the outline of that scene. But as with all these things this season, the execution was sloppy. That's what it is. I'm fine. If, if Like, I think George R. R. Martin like just looking at them... that, Just looking at that scene on a storyboard, Yeah. and then like if you and I were going to sit down and write the scene, I it'd think be it would have come that. out fine. I think it would be better than that. <laughs> like, uh, should the prisoner pick the king? Nope, that should be the rule one. Don't have the prisoner pick the king. L- let's stop there on the Martin thing real quick. I do feel like some of the things that happen in this finale are going to be what happens I agree. in the movie. I, I don't think all of them will be, but I think the most important things probably will be. I think he... I, I don't... He hasn't been a part of the process, but I think he's... Not for a couple of years. No, but I think he's he's given them... I, this is what the plan is to end, and he just didn't give them how to get there, and they were like, all right, we'll figure it out. Like, this is what we'll hit, but the way we're going to get there, the story's not going to make that much sense. Like, the, the tearing with Brandon thing, I was just sitting there like... I laughed. I started laughing. I was like... Did, did, my dad looked at me. I was like... The, the prisoner just the guy that's sentenced to death just picked the king and he's like yeah I was like oh I thought that's what I, I saw well I mean that the whole point of that scene was that they were like we're stuck at an impasse let's see what he has to say yeah you, you might want to give that one a little maybe sleep on that one it's the king they I guess well the thing is initially it's met with silence or even a no right didn't uh, Yara say no to that uh, idea I don't remember I just remember Sansa. she said Yara said no at first and then he says like I think he gives his whole reasoning right. behind it and then it's quiet for and, a few seconds. And, and then everybody goes the... Eventually they all And say then yes. Sansa's like the only one that gave it a little bit of resistance. Not just a little bit, she seceded. Yeah. It, well, yeah, but she she was fine with him. The idea, just right. she doesn't she want, want to be association a part of it. Right. Um, um, I saw some, a lot of people have seized on the whole thing with, well, this is a really stupid idea because his story is great. And it's like, yeah, they could have phrased it a little bit better, but that was yeah, just the I, entry point. It was the whole point of... Him being the keeper of the right. story, that's the important right. thing. And I actually liked that whole idea. Yeah, I, I thought that was that was poor wording of who's got the best story. Like, oh, well, a lot of them have pretty good stories. <laughs> you should want to ask John his. Like, I mean, Davos' story is pretty <laughs> incredible. <Yeah. laughs> uh, I didn't think, should not be the case. I didn't really have an issue with that line, per se, but just kind of how they well, got I feel to... like I feel like people were putting too much emphasis on that line. Yeah. That's my issue with the criticism of that scene. I mean, the, the thing with Bran was like, there were a lot of arguments like he's he's been like talked about out I'm not a person anymore I'm like I'm not Bran I'm not a person I'm not a human basically and he was like oh you're gonna be the next like the the king of the north he's like no I'm not I am Bran. I am not Bran I am the three eyed raven and I'm like oh you didn't want to be the you're not good enough for the north by the king that I can do well, it wasn't about whether he was good enough or wanted it he doesn't want anymore it's about what's best for everyone and he knew that he still had a bigger part you to know play. Brandy can be my advisor hey did anybody do this like 400 years ago how'd that turn out alright we're not gonna do that one well realistically he probably should have been like the hand of the king. right agreed <laughs> I just just the council be one of the council because they just p- pick that out of someone's ass Bron is in the council he's well, was he a master of coin yes he was absolutely <laughs> Well, what? I mean, typically it seems like the Master of Quinn has been a Highgarden or a Lannister. You My know name's I mean? going like, to get bribed left and right in the towns that have no, the cities that have no money. First of all, let's just stop there for one second. I don't care what you say about John, Danny, Bran, Sansa, anyone. Bronn of the Blackwater won the Game of Thrones. 
I mean, yeah, he's... Uh, his start was the lowest and his finish was the end. It yeah. was the highest. The only I, person who started lower and ended up seemingly high, as high was Gendry. But he yeah. doesn't end quite as high no. as, as Braun. And they're pretty similar. They were both no one. Yeah. I, I mean, I saw that council. I was like, uh... I mean, they did kind of... a ragtag group They did kind of make sense. Who knew the value of a dollar better than Braun? Yeah, it was just a, it was a jarring sight to see Braun, after all his what he'd you know I'm I'm for sale basically to be, hey you know what I'm on the council and I have to deal with money. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was an interesting. And at this point, as far as ships go, the only real contender for that title would have been Yara Greyjoy. Yeah, um, uh, and for obvious reasons, they're not really going to stress her because they want Davos to kind of have they they didn't marry the idea of some people getting happy endings and some getting less happy endings and some people getting what they deserved, uh, yeah. whether that be a good or bad thing. Yeah. Um, and it just, it was kind of a natural fit. I mean, he was a maritime dude. Yeah. Um, and Sam obviously being the grand maester, a grand maester, you know, who being on the council makes sense. It's a little weird that he just titled the Song of Ice and Fire. I feel like ultimately he'll be the one who writes it. Yeah. Um, I don't understand the point of having a master of whisperers when you're king. I thought that was a joke. I I saw. I was like, that's a good joke. I was like, no, I think they're serious. No, they were 100 percent serious. (laughs) I was like, oh, that's a funny joke. Oh no, they're they're 100. Well, I remember when we were watching last night, we had a few people over, and my brother was like, "What the fuck? What is he gonna do? Like, he's just gonna go play with a dragon?" I was like, "Well, no, I feel like you kind of want to know where a vengeful dragon might be. Right? It's somewhat important use of his time." Yeah, Uh, I mean, I'm not gonna go into like I think you have to looking back at the whole season eight. There's a lot of things that were huge storylines for the first seven seasons that end up not really mattering. Like, John being a Targaryen really didn't end up being that big of a deal. It did because of, it's basically the final straw that pushed Danny over the edge. Yeah, that should be bigger. Uh, are, you, are you good with that? I'm not good with that. Um, I think that... The fu- like, one of the few straws. Based, <laughs> based on the way that they compressed the storyline, I understand why they did it. Now, would it, would it be what I have done? No, I've told you a couple times what I would have done to change that story. Like, that was disappointing to me. It's like, alright, so he's a Targaryen because that's the final thing of, like, five things that makes Danny go mad. Yeah, I don't love that. The Night King story, like, that's disappointing to me looking back, like, that was the main but villain. But that's, that's not finale specific. That's right, I'm saying season, season, yeah. season eight, just looking back and like looking at the season as a whole, like, wow, like we, we spent a lot of time on this, and that was that's not... the thing that most obviously suffered under yeah. their stewardship. Sam's George R. R. Martin. Yeah, um, they clearly didn't know what to do with that or how to do it, or they just like Zack Snyder did and like just didn't want to do it, and we're just like, fuck it, we're gonna yeah. wipe it to the side eventually. And, right, like, it became purely a plot point to even the scales and that was that's the biggest issue with most of the last two seasons is all the bad things happening to Danny were really just plot things to even the scales yeah. like they they didn't happen organically which is why even though there was plenty of groundwork laid for her to become the mad queen they didn't actually sufficiently do it yeah uh, uh, yeah I, I i i think i'm like in like two or three years i'll be able to rewatch it and like maybe look at it from a different lens. We probably like, need a little distance. Yeah. And I, I'm sure I still won't like it, but maybe I'll like it more. I just, the right, like... The biggest thing is just being able to accept it. Yeah. I, I, I think it is, that's part of it. But, again, I don't have an issue with the end result. Like, it, that's fine. I, I saw D- Danny becoming potentially the Mad Queen. I saw, you know, I wasn't shocked Bran was, ended up being the king. Just getting from A to B, like, it was sloppy, it was rushed, it, it was kind of half-assed, and I was making the point before is, the fact that they have a a plastic 
Star, uh, Starbucks cup, and now a plastic bottle. bottle and the, the King's like, Moot okay, right people are like, that's not that big of a deal. They just missed it. Like, no, they spent like $93 million on one episode. Like, they half-assed it. That's a great representation of, you know what? I don't they know maybe not. I, I don't think they put, I don't, I think they thought, you know, we can, we can, we're going we're gonna to do something we think is good, and they're gonna, people are going to like it regardless. It's Game of Thrones. You're going to like it. And people are like, uh, no, this isn't that good. Like, the last two episodes well, have been prob- bad, the thing badly is, reviewed. It, the thing is, if the season was good, you would be laughing at the Starbucks cup. Yes. I, I, I don't know if I'd be laughing. The one of them, yes. Two of them would be like, guys, come are you serious? Like, two of them? Don't forget Jamie's hand being real. I, I heard, I didn't know if that was true, and I saw people say it, and then someone's like, no, that's not what it actually was. I wasn't sure. If uh, I, I saw a picture, and it is a little grainy, it's hard to tell, but it looks more like a normal if that's hand. three, then like, guys, what the hell are you guys doing? You guys are checked out. That's, that's the only excuse. Of three huge things. I mean, I don't know if that's true. I mean, there's continuity errors and there's visual gags in all sorts of mediums. TV, movie, otherwise. The problem is, with something that's under so much scrutiny, there's so much more opportunity to pick up on them. Yeah. But, like, there's one, you know, there's honestly, there's one that I never noticed. I've seen the movie a million times until I, I saw someone reference it in a story and they hyperlinked a video to it. I watched it again. I was like, oh my god, how have I never seen this? And now I can only see it? it. In the original Star Wars movie, have you seen the original yeah. one? Um... On the Death Star, when they all meet up, the two droids are hiding in the control room, talking them through where they gotta go and stuff like that. And they send a bunch of stormtroopers in to get it. And the door was, like, jammed closed, and then the stormtroopers open it, and the guys are running in. One of the stormtroopers cracks his head on the the door. It's like, you can see, his head hit it, and his helmet rocks on his head. And he, like, stops dead because his head gets snapped back, and then he just keeps running, and they just... And in the original cut, you could hear the thud... They eventually edit it so you don't hear the thud, but the visual is still there because they can't cut the scene. It's not the same of having, like... It's it's a pretty big deal. Yeah, I mean, I guess, but again, they spent $93 million on one episode. Like, to me, it's just like... It was yeah, but not great, on that episode. It was, <laughs> I don't know what they spent on the other ones. I'm sure it was a lot. Last night's episode had to be a done. There was a lot of CGI stuff. Uh... I mean, not as much as the two no. big battles. Yeah, no, that. Episodes. I mean, that one battle of Winterfell, I think, was ninety three million. That yeah. by far has to be the and most. And the other one would have been yeah. probably sixty or seventy yeah. as well. But like. they spent so much money. I I think the writing was kind of lazy. I think they very lazy. At I times. think they got lazy with just how you know they were kind of burned out. I think, and I think it showed. Well, the one thing I'll say is, can you when you consider how many takes that they had to do on each thing, like the battle of Winterfell, they shot it for like it was like fifty five days or something like yeah. that, like. That's a lot of time. So, Did like, to, it's not... I don't know that half-assing it is fair. Like, they worked hard. Now, maybe they didn't work smart, but I think they did work hard. Yeah, uh, I mean, I don't... I, I, I mean, there's no, a reason it took a year and a half to do. Yeah, to kind of get off that, did you see the the viral things, like, the actors saying what they thought of the season? Yeah, well, I saw the one about Jon Snow. Yeah, he's, like, like disappointing. I mean, epic, or one of them. Like, <laughs> he, he 100% meant disappointing. And the thing he is, saw her reaction. He he's sold like, it. oh, no, He epic. sold it well comedically. Like, it seemed like a joke at the time. Like, I don't know. I think he meant that seriously. I saw, I mean, the one... Like, he, his comedic timing was perfect that it, it had the cadence of a joke. Yeah, I don't think he was kidding. No, that's possible. I'm not, he's not a noted comedian, no. so... Um, he saw. I think he saw a lady's face and was like... Oh shit! Like I just said something bad, and he's like, "Oh yeah, no, epic." <laughs> the one that I can I can definitely like buy into totally, like the criticism of was uh, the one that Nikolai Costa-Waldo made, and I think specifically he was talking about his own character, um, and that makes sense. Yeah. His his criticism of his own character would make a lot of sense. Yeah. 
Um, that's the one big thing at the end that I think will ultimately diverge a lot from with, with it in Martin's story. Um, one thing I think that we did forget, actually, that I, I liked a lot also as well is just housekeeping, closing off all these threads. Um, Brienne becoming the Lord Commander of the Kingsguard. Yeah. Um, I like that a lot. Mm. Uh, and Podrick becoming one of the Kingsguard. Yeah. Um, and knighted and all that. Um, and also the fact that she was the one writing the, in the book and she writes Jamie's story and tells it as had, true as possible. I had a funny thought when I saw that and then I went on Twitter and like 40 people had the same thought. I was, like, right. the, I was like, she's just changing people's Wikipedia pages. <laughs> she's just on Wikipedia just like, this is what happened. No one's going to edit this. She didn't lie. <laughs> she just tweaked yeah, the truth. Yeah. I mean, um, what she said was true. True. Um, uh, yeah. There was parts of the season I liked. I, Beric Don, well, Darien, Death, I loved. Let's do that. Pick one thing from the season that you liked. Without any sarcasm, one major thing from the show this season that you enjoyed. The Beric Don, Darien, Death, and kind of his his whole arc completing, I thought was phenomenal. Okay. That's uh, more bigger picture of the show in general. Yeah, like just the like, kind of, why is he being brought back all these times? Like, what is this about? And then seeing it, and the way they kind of killed him was like, Oh, like, that was well done. Like, I love that scene. For me, I would say the biggest thing that I that I really loved about the final season was that um, Ramin Jawadi, the, the composer, uh. crushed the music in the uh, final yeah. season. And, I mean, it was really vis- good. Music and visually, phenomenal. With possible exception of the Battle of Winterfell. Yeah, the dark but scene. But the, but the scenes in the Battle of King's Landing yes. were incredible. And even last night, there were scenes I was like, oh, this is like, that really good. I didn't really... I, I watch it and like I notice it, but I didn't really fully appreciate it until I like, saw a bunch of gifts. Yeah. The shot with the, the dragon on yeah. People are wings. going nuts about that. That is a really cool scene. Yeah. Um, but again, I'm going to have to go back. Also, the melting of the Iron Throne. Awesome. I thought... Visually and thematically and everything. Visually was good. Um... If you told me that happened before the episode, I would have been like, that's good. During the moment, I was like, this feels corny. It felt corny to me. Just a little. It felt corny. And I was um, like, Ugh, I don't know if I like this. Just a little. Well, the, I think the bigger, the reason that it feels corny, at least to me, was that they do the fake out. Yeah. If they didn't do the fake out, if it was just, like, it was starting to rage and it just turned and, like, melted it, I think it was the fake out where it looks like it's going to torch John and then it does that yeah. instead that's that's i think where the point it did from. it just i saw it and i was like this should be cooler than it is to me i think and it just i, I still like it though yeah i, I, I mean corny I, things can be good and i think those. afterwards i still was like you know what i think that's a you know still a good scene it just during the moment i was like i don't know if i like this also scene. the whole john danny finish yeah what did you think about that um yeah i i was fine with it i i thought that was a good death for her mm-hmm. um you know, John finally real. I think he he always knew in his you know the back of his mind what Danny was, and the conversation with Tyrion kind of realized it. But I know I saw some criticism people saying like, you just watched her torture a few thousand people. Like you shouldn't need the conversation. And for me, and it actually was one of the few things that I thought from a writing perspective was good, and is why I actually enjoyed the finale overall, even if I still think it's largely imperfect. It's hard to do a perfect finale. Mm-hmm. Um, I just finished watching. I had never. I watched, agree with that. I just finished watching Mad Men, and I know people rave about the finale. I thought it was just fine. Yeah. I, I didn't love that one, but from this, that whole thing where it starts off as a little bit too much over the top, where he's like has to like beat like the point home, but the Tyrion explaining to him that it's not just about like that. What? Why is she so dangerous? Not just that she killed a bunch of people. Um, but that that she did something wrong and evil, but that 
not only does she do the evil thing, but she thinks she's doing a positive thing by doing it. Right. And showing the larger scale of why that's so dangerous and scary. Right. That I thought was really powerful. Um, the line in particular that was the, the, the little comedic break to a really tense scene where he says, you know, I love her. He goes, I love her too. Not as successfully as you. Yeah. <laughs> it was a good line. Yeah. Tyrion was, Tyrion had a good season. Tyrion was, I think, well, well written. Well, considering the they've completely screwed with down. him for like yeah. three whole seasons now. Yeah. He had, I thought, well, I think, I shouldn't say he was written. He had, he was a great actor, I feel like. Peter Dinklage well, he's always been, just did a good, like a really good job. But after, basically after he kills his father, from then on, they don't allow him to be a good yeah. actor anymore. Yeah. Without sight of like a couple little flashes here and there. Yeah. They finally let him shine again in the final episode. Because yeah. that one, the episode, the scene in the, the dragon pit, um, the scene where he comes to see John, where the tables have turned, where he's visiting John as yeah. the prisoner. Yeah. Um, and I like that bit of like poetic like duality where like John visits him and then yeah. he visits John. Right. Um, I liked all that. How did you like John going to the wall? Um, I, again, I laughed. Wasn't surprised at all. I laughed. So, what's the point of the of of the wall? The point is, like Tyrion said, it, no one's happy about it, but it's a compromise. Yeah. And so, okay, so that that happened. I was like, well, that's kind of funny. The whole point is, if it's going to it's allow them to end the war, right? We will maintain the nominal white knight's watch in order to give him his life and his ultimate. Freedom, because, like, sure, yeah, like, can't hold any lands or whatever. Like, realistically, he can live whatever life he wants up there. So that brings me to the second point of, so when the, the series ends, it's him going off past the wall. What's Probably. happening there? Is he just leading people that way, or is he actually going and living beyond the wall? I don't know, and I also don't care. Uh, I th- and I don't mean that in a negative way. I actually like that they don't tell you. Yeah, because, and, and I was thinking, when I saw it, I was like, oh, he's, he's going to live beyond the wall realistically and I was thinking that's not John though like if it, John's it punished is, if John's punished and says you're you have to go be a member of the Night's Watch and live at Castle Black he would do that but there is no Night's Watch anymore that, but that's what I'm saying that what like why would you, it's just, to me that was like I do stu- I do think he'll live with honor I don't think he'll take a wife if he goes and decides to live with them but that was my but thing. I think it he was kind of like I think he will because it's the only place that he was actually accepted for who he was I think that the, they should have said like you, you you have to live north of the wall like you you're not like basically welcome in the six kingdoms well I, mean, I, I think that's the whole point yeah but the, that the point was like okay he's in the night's watch like okay one that doesn't exist or two he it does exist and he's just ignoring it yeah so that was my only thing. Uh, to kind of wrap up, there was one thing I did laugh at. I don't think other people caught on to. Was when Davos was telling um, Grey Worm that he should start his own house. He's telling a bunch of dickless guys yes. to start their own house. And everybody's like, good idea, Davos. <laughs> like, uh, that house is going to be extinct in like 40 years, guys. <laughs> well, that's the other thing that I'm kind of thinking where it's like eventually... Well, and also they all seem to be leaving to carry out Missandei's wish to protect Noth because they can't protect themselves. Yeah. Um, I understand why they wouldn't like immediately like oh yeah we're totally sending John away or whatever like they, they do have to kind of make it real but I feel like eventually he could be allowed to come back yeah because realistically the Unsullied won't live forever yeah um, and there's not really any other sympathizers they sent the Dothraki out on ships too like there's no like who cares after like make it like uh, quietly tacitly like you're exiled for 10 years yeah like you know what I mean like you can come back if you want yeah and if you not get, you got a 20 year band great like yeah like you know what I mean like <laughs> yeah. I think functionally that's more or less what it is. But the other thing is, 
like just how much interest does he have in coming back after that? Probably with, not with much. Arya leaving, like would he also, come back and visit Santa? Maybe, but like there's not really much love lost there. Love that Arya is Christopher Columbus. Yeah, um, I saw a lot of jokes about I had going Magellan to dis- as my to discover America. I joked last night when I saw it that she's Magellan. Christopher Columbus makes more sense. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> um, I love the yeah the, the idea of she's going off to discover America. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I guess they're technically leaving that open for a potential for a spinoff, spin-off. eventually, yeah. if they wish. If I do see, I, I mean, there are going to be spinoffs. I want to see a prequel. Well, they've already greenlit one of them. And it's going to be a pre- prequel. Okay. Yeah, they've they've already begun casting it. Okay, but there's a couple of big and names it, attached. Do to we it. know what? The they still technically haven't told you, but everyone basically knows it's the original Long Night. Okay. Um, or it or it will be leading up to it, okay. if not like fully in it. Um, I think it's supposed to be. I forget if it's a thousand or ten thousand years before that. Um, way predating the Targaryens because the Targaryens came like three hundred or three hundred fifty years before this or something like that. Yeah. Um, I'm totally blanking on who's in the fucking thing. Um, which is terrible. For the show, uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, is there any other Thrones thoughts you have while I look this up? Um, no, not really. I mean, again, I didn't love. I didn't love season eight, half of season seven. I don't love, but I still like Thrones. It might be my end up being my favorite show of all time. So, even, really? even with season seven, like eh, I don't know if this is going the way I think it's supposed to be going, and then season eight, like <laughs> oh no, it's definitely not. Um, I still think. I would recommend Thrones to people that didn't watch it. Absolutely. And I would still say it's if it's not my favorite, it's one of my favorites um, of all time. So I'm certainly more of a comedy fan, so this is kind of a different um, show for me. So I don't really I, like. Breaking yeah, I Bass remember scene. originally you weren't on board with it, and I rem- the funny thing is I remember when you became interested in the show. Yeah. So I remember you were over here. It was during season three, and it was a few days after. The Red Wedding. Yeah. And you were like, hey, I don't watch the show. I know you guys watch. Like, I wasn't interested when it came out, but, I, like, everyone's interested. I'm, like, kind of interested. I just didn't know like, what existed. You're like, you're like, what happened this week that everyone's, like, going nuts over? You're like, I'm not sure if I'm going to watch it yet, so it's not a big deal if you spoil it. And I was like, okay, I won't spoil it if you think about it interesting. And I gave you the outline of what The Red Wedding was kind of about. Mm-hmm. And... I remember, I think within a couple of weeks, you started watching yeah. it, and like maybe a couple of months later, you finally caught up to that scene, and you're like, I'm pretty sure that was the episode you were talking yeah, yeah. about. It's like, that's 100% the one, you're like, yeah, I'm hooked now. Yeah, like, yeah. No, I, I got on, yeah, in season three, I think was when I started watching it. I didn't really know about it before. I saw people talk about it, but it wasn't nearly what it is now. Well, the thing is, I never had read the books prior. I was, I would say, an earlier adopter yeah. of the show, because I started watching before the second season started. Yeah. Um, I remember hearing some talk right up before the show was coming out, and I was like, I never heard of it. I didn't know there was these books. I had no idea what it was based on. I just saw that Chun Beam was in it, and I was yeah. like, oh, it looks like he's playing a knockoff Boromir. Like, I'm not super interested. And at that time, I wasn't a big um, HBO like show watcher because that's around the same time the newsroom came out. And that was the first yeah. thing that I really like latched onto. From an HBO specific show. Yeah, I mean, I've always liked HBO shows, and that was the one that, that we love. But that was the time where I started yeah. really watching them, and now I watch. I've watched a bunch of them, but the first season went out. I actually saw that Sean Bean got killed in the thing like after mm. the first season was over. I was like, oh, imagine that Sean Bean dying in something, <laughs> just like every other movie he's been in. Um, and so like whatever, didn't think about it again for six months, and then I was like at work, and like some like guy was like, oh, like you have to watch this Game of Thrones. I was like, yeah, I heard about it. I was like, I don't know, it looked kind of like corny, or whatever. Like I've never been like an HBO. Like show like watch or whatever. He's like no, no. He's like dude, just go home, 
watch it. Like, it's coming back in, like, a month and a half. Like, just sit down and watch, like, the first season. And he's like, watch the first half of the first season. You're not hooked. Like, I'll be fucking floored. And I was like, okay. So then I went home and watched the first three episodes. And I was like, okay, I'm going to watch the next seven episodes tomorrow. Yeah. And I was totally hooked. I read all of the books. I read all five books between then and that like five or six weeks later when the second season came out so yeah. i was totally fully on board like from right before season two started so i guess i, I certainly wasn't there from day one but on the grand scale of things fairly no, yeah. early on for sure um it'll be interesting so i think i think most commonly it was around when you were yeah probably around that um yeah season three or four probably was when i because i started seeing it and then i started seeing more of the tweets around that time so probably because well, fever pitch was hit with the Red, Red Wedding, right. and I think a lot of people in those that block of a couple of months, that's when the most people join on. With yeah, it. we'll see, it'll be interesting to see if if George R. R. Martin actually finishes the books, and if they are finished, how different it is. I'm starting to feel pretty confident he's going to finish the sixth one. Yeah, the seventh one, I'm not so sure about, considering it's taken him. Well, it's eight years and counting. <laughs> yeah. I think so. Yeah. Um, the last little note on this um, is Naomi Watts was the big one that the name she's going to be. It looks like mm. the main character. Um, the rest of the cast, uh, the main cast that have been cast so far is Josh Whitehouse, Miranda Richardson, Naomi Aki, Denise Gao, Jamie Campbell Bauer, Sheila Atim, Mark- Marcus Rodriguez, John Sim, Richard McCabe, John Heffernan, and Dixie DeJerks. I don't know any of those people. The, one of them, and I don't even remember who it was, I, I want to say it was Josh Whitehouse. Uh, one of them, I know when they were cast, I looked them up, and I knew them from something, even though I didn't recognize the name. Gotcha. I was like, oh, that person played that one thing and whatever thing, and I don't remember what it was now, but um, we'll probably start hearing news about that sometime in the next few months. They'll I probably need, let this sit for a yeah, little I need bit. Yeah, I need, I need a Game of Thrones break for a little while. <laughs> I mean, it was a big thing. 73 episodes. There's been much more good than there was bad. For sure. And even in the final season, there was plenty of good. There was just outweighed by the bad. Agreed. You know what? I'll do a Colin Cowherd for you. Please don't. It's like a car. No. The car is beautiful. No. The rims are polished. Guys, turn off. Great. Turn off the pod. But, like, the car just doesn't drive. And so, like, the transmission is broken, but it's a really great car. And, like, you want it to work, and so you roll it down the hill, and then you crash the car, um, and then it doesn't look beautiful anymore. That was, like, a D-. minus. <laughs> D- minus as an analogy, or D- minus as an impression of Colin Coward? Both. I feel like it was a B- Impression D minus is an actual self awareness not high on that one. Let's let's move on. I haven't watched him in a while, so yeah, hmm. neither have I. Um, let's let's move on though. Okay. Um, all right. Well, let's get into some Jets talk, which they were kind enough to fire Mike McCagnan about what twelve hours after we finished recording yeah, last week's about, episode. Yeah, we yeah we finished. Yeah, I think it was like eight p.m. and then the next morning it happened. Yeah. Well, I think it was. It was like late morning, early afternoon, because I think it was right after we put oh, the episode right. out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was like, yeah, it was like 30 minutes after we put the episode out, yeah. Um, so that was convenient. Yeah. Um, so here we are, guys, a week late to the party. But I think that's kind of good, because all the hubbub has died down a little bit. We're waiting to see how the dust all settles and clears. Yeah. Um, so your first, I want to see what your impression of the whole situation is. Well, you have to look at it a couple different ways. One, I am not mad that McCagnan is not the GM of the Jets anymore. No. That is, Both that, of us, before we started the show, bef- back in December, were calling for his head. Yes. The fact, but the like, the big thing is the timing of it. I know it's happened before, but you can't hire a new head coach and have the GM being a part of that process 
and then fire the GM that hired that coach. Now, it's going backwards. I don't think that's actually true, though, because that was exactly what Buffalo did. Doug Whaley was part of the hiring of Sean McDermott. Do you Sean want to McDermott's be like Buffalo? still there, and Whaley's gone. Do you want to be like Buffalo? I don't know. I guess the, the jury's still out on that. I'm not saying it doesn't happen. I'm saying that's the wrong move. You have to have a G- you, you now Because now the process is, our head coach is the main guy in picking a GM. That is backwards. You want the GM to pick the head coach. That I don't want an owner that has anything to do with... I actually don't care too much about whether the GM or the coach has the main control. The point is, I, I want there to be a hierarchy. One of them has to report to the other. That's the bigger issue I have. Who if reports you hire, to who? If you hire a GM and he works directly for the coach, I'm okay with it. As long as that one of them is working for the other. The, this two-in-the-box system that the Jets are insisting on is what's an issue for me. Uh, yeah, I, I just, I don't know what Adam Gase has done to get this. That I agree with, but I, I mean, like, in Kansas City, the GM works for Andy Reid. Uh, Andy Reid is an exception, not the rule. I understand. Well, and the GM works for Bill Belichick, not the other way Again, around. Again, exception, not the rule. Sure, but the point is, what I'm saying is, one of the guys is in charge, and the other guy works for him. So if you want to do it that way, agreed, I would rather it be someone who isn't Adam Gase. Yeah. But what I'm saying is, as long as... Someone is in charge, and the other guy is working for him. I'm okay with it. I'm open to it either way, is what I'm saying. I don't know if I ever want a... I shouldn't say never want. There are rare circumstances where I want my head coach directing my GM, I think. I want my GM to have the idea and then implement a coach that, that can do his idea. Sure. I, I'm fine with that, too. And that's I think the... that's kind of what they've said. They've said, because they came out and they said there was a power struggle, and Gay said, no... Th- I don't have decisions over the roster. I don't know if I believe that, because why? Why would this all happen if it wasn't a power struggle? Um, I'm I'm actually I've come around in the few days since it's happened to the idea that it wasn't a direct power struggle. Do I think that Gase may have in some ways leveraged McCagnan's ouster? Yes, yes, I do. But I don't think that he was actively acting towards it at all times. Is the point? I'm, I think. I don't know if based, I, I don't. Yeah, I don't think he was actively trying to do it. Based I think on he, there was a power struggle, and Woody Johnson said, "Okay, I see what's going on. You guys aren't agreeing on anything. I'm going to side with Adam Gase." Yes, but I think it's slightly more nuanced than that. I think what it come, came down to was they were fighting over whatever, and Johnson. There was the reports like Johnson's going to be there every day. He's going to be like, and I think being there every day and seeing how it worked every day was like, oh fuck! I didn't realize how little of a clue McCagnan had. Time to go. Yeah. And just seeing them in comparison, like McCagnan be, or no, seeing Gase being decisive, and by all accounts, whatever you think about him, he's supposed to be a very smart dude. Uh, Adam Gase scares the shit out of me. Adam Gase scares More than the, just the shit eyes. out of me. Yeah. Just, he, he just, I saw, I don't remember who it was, said something like, I think it was a uh, just anonymous rival scout or something. It's like, Adam Gase is the most paranoid Yeah, I saw that coach. the other day. In the NFL, and I'm like, that is a. I think I had that same exact feeling. He's a guy that's like in his office typing. It's like keeps looking over his shoulder, like someone's. In the I room. still feel like that's driven by the eyes. I feel like, yeah, maybe. <laughs> he just, I. How do you get fired by a division rival and like six months you're an interim GM and the head coach of the other rival? Now, realistically, I don't think that the interim GM thing really matters that much. No, because I do think they'll hire someone going to hire somebody, soon. But and, still, and when he, he came out and said it today. The arrangement will be the same. We're hiring a GM. That GM will have roster control. I don't want roster control. I think that, I whether don't or believe, not it's yeah, true, I don't believe well, whether or not it's true it. that he wants it, it does sound like he won't be getting it. I have no idea. Now I don't know what to believe in this. It shit. would behoove Chris Johnson to hire someone 
who will be on the same page with his head coach. Yes, agreed. Because clearly him and McCagnon were not. Right, agreed. But, but again, it goes back to, I don't want, the best owners are the ones that don't get involved. Yes, yeah, so Or if they part. do, they know what they're doing. Yes. Like, it's the, it's New Yorker run by owners that are like, I want to be involved, but I don't know anything. And it's like, no, what do you... More on that later. Yeah, Johnson, like, Johnson just got to be like, all right, I got to find a GM I trust who, who will be a good communicator and have everything in check where I don't have to overlook everything. Which leads us to the Peyton Manning speculation. Yeah, I mean, I, I think there's little chance that happens. I agree. Um, I know it seemed like originally earlier today it was shot down after about 36 hours of being alive. Yeah. Um, and then after that, it kind of softened it where it was more like, depends on what the job actually is and also how far Johnson's willing to go to get him. And listen, you're not hiring Peyton Manning to be the literal GM, like where he's like going out on scouting trips and like is stacking the board. You're hiring him to be, like, the president or VP of football operations type of thing. You know what I mean? Like, hockey is the team, is the sport that seems to have those the most. Although baseball is coming up with it as well. Where you have a guy who is, like, the czar who hires everyone, who sets everything up, and then has someone underneath him who's literally doing the scouting, driving the acquisitions. And if you're having Peyton Manning, who's gonna, who Gase respects, um... Because that's how we got the job. Yeah. The two of them respect each other. They have mutual respect. They know how to talk to each other. They know how to deal with each other and understand when the, one of them has conviction over something. You're having Peyton Manning over a personnel guy and over Gase. And they're not both reporting to Chris Johnson who doesn't know fuck all about the sport. No. But is, both of them are reporting to Peyton Manning and Peyton Manning is reporting to Chris Johnson. Then you have one message again. And that's all I want, whether it be the GM in charge, whether it be the coach in charge, whether it be some other guy on charge over the top of the two of them who's related to football, who can communicate and ameliorate these issues between the two. That could work. Now, is Peyton the guy to do it? I'm not sure. Could he do it if he were to put his full conviction behind it? I absolutely think he could. My fear with Peyton, again, that's, Peyton, there's, to me, it's like a 5% chance, 10% chance. Great. To Pey- Peyton, to me, scares me with Gase because I think he'd become... A yes man to Gase. No, never. I don't think I, I don't think that's in Peyton Manning's blood. I, I think he would I don't Gase for some reason has his little pockets of people that are just like he's the smartest man in the world. Uh, Peyton Manning leveraged uh Gase for this job. He's like he's the he's he's the guy. Like he's the guy. Well who 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 better to say that than Peyton Manning? I, I, I don't know what Peyton Manning can do from a, a management and a, No no what I'm saying is who better to evaluate how smart of a football mind Adam Gase is. Right, but I'm Manning. saying if if Gase is telling Peyton something, I could see Peyton saying, oh, maybe he's right, like, and not really get... No, not, I don't think so. I think it could have that. I think he could. He, he, I don't know the what... Cal- the caliber of the two of their minds, uh, they may agree on a lot of things, but the point is, like, but what is Gase Peyton, isn't pulling the wool over but, his eyes. But what has Peyton done from a foot... Other than being a great quarterback, what has he done from a, a I know the game better than everybody? I mean, did you watch him play? I'm saying, <laughs> I just said without, from him not playing, if he wasn't playing the quarterback position, coaching and being a manager is way different than being a quarterback. Fine, but what I'm saying is if you're if you're Peyton Manning and you understand the game, having played under Bill Polian, who was one of the great architects in football of all time, mm-hmm. played with under some great coaches offensive and defensively throughout the course of his career, although some of them I think have Certainly. been overstated, I think he knows what to look for. And if he's hiring the guy to do the GMing 
under him. If he's hiring the guy to that's do the that, that's the point I'm making. That that's fine. But just he's because the one voice who's above the GM and above the coach. Just because you're a good player does not mean you're a good manager or a it, Tom Brady does not automatically become a great GM. No, but I'm not saying he's going to be the GM. I, just, I cannot trust that enough. And I I I think Gase. It scares me a little bit to get a guy that Gase and him have a mutual like they're on the same page. Gase scares me. Gase scares me. Sure. I I, think, I was I was as angry as anyone that I they were going to hire him. I think so, we need someone that can communicate well with Gase, but can reel him back. I don't need someone that's like, you know what, Gase, we're going full steam ahead. But that's I don't I understand don't, how you could have that impression of Peyton Manning though. I, that would I, be what he would because do because he he they called Peyton before Gase was hired, and Gase he was like, yeah, he's the smartest guy ever. Like he's the smartest guy in football. And to me, that scares me a little bit. If they are on the same team, working together, I need someone but that no. But you want that sort of synergy. I, again, I want someone that works well with him. I don't know if I want... I want someone that can reel him back. I don't understand how you could ever think that Peyton Manning would be anyone's yes-man. That's what's confusing me. Um, He's I, as strong-willed as anyone. Uh, again, we'll have to have see. Have you ever heard about his interactions with people in the locker room and on the field? I have not heard he of it. He does not take shit from anyone. I, I have never heard of Peyton Manning being, like, a hard-ass. Uh, he is. That's the boy. That's why I'm really confused by this argument. Um... Uh, I, again, it scares me. Have you heard, you've never heard about the stories about him talking to his wide receivers? No. Be like, run a five-yard out. The no. guy runs a five-yard out, comes back and goes, was that a five-yard out or was that a five-and-a-half-yard out? I've never heard that story. There's a billion of those stories. Uh, again, we're getting over, we're, com- we're debating a guy that I think there's zero chance, uh, not zero, very small chance that we're getting. It's and again, it, I agree, if he's playing, if he's in a role where he's not the GM, he's he has somebody else to do that, I think I'm what may way more comfortable with that. Yes, and that's yeah. I don't. If it's I don't Gase think for a second and Peyton running the show, I'm nervous. My only actual concern about him would be that he would go the Phil Jackson route, like Phil Jackson with the Knicks. That's my only concern with Peyton Manning, or and and or the Magic Johnson thing we just saw unfold this week, mm, where he comes I'm in less concerned with that, and he's not a hundred percent. Like you have to convince him to come do the job. Like if yeah. he has a passion for it. Then I think he could absolutely yeah. be successful at this. Yeah, and I, and Gase is the right guy to pair him with because the two of them respect each other. They're both very smart, and they will both complement each other and contrast each other. Where I don't think either of them would ever be the other's yes man, but I think they both of them would know when to stop pushing the other. You know what I mean? Mm. Where we're never going to turn into a blow up or someone getting fired out of nowhere. Yeah, I, again, I I don't know. I'm I, it makes me nervous. I, I, there are other other names that uh, have popped up. Um, to be honest, I don't know a ton about um, Joe Douglas. Yeah, I don't know a ton about him. I know he's well respected. So he's well respected as a talent guy. But I mean, ultimately, I mean, if he's a more decisive dude, then great. But he's in a lot of ways is similar to McCagnan. He's been a scout. He's been a VP who's just doing the scouting stuff. Yeah, and that was ultimately McCagnan's downfall. Is I think he was fine as a scout. I don't think he was great. I don't think he was terrible. Um, although he's the yeah. Christian Hackenberg is one of the most terrible picks I've ever made. I might be those work. Uh, he's had bad picks. I'm even Hackenberg is the worst one. He's had just bad picks everywhere. Yeah, there's been a lot of bad picks. He's only his only success has been at the top of the first round, and even then, it's so so. Yeah. Um, but his biggest downfall it sounds like is his the fact that he just was soft with his decision making. Like yeah. he's not decisive. Didn't know how to deal with other teams and, and people took advantage of him, or he would just sit and not do anything. Yeah, and I think that's ultimately what got him fired. Is if you come into work and you see Crazy Eye Gase, who's working his fucking ass off, and it's like, let's go get this guy. And McKagan's like, mm, eh, and they don't get the guy. And let's get this guy. Okay, we'll give him way too much money, and then the guy reneges on the deal. Like, 
you keep seeing that over and over again, and it's like, oh, fuck. Like, he just doesn't accomplish anything. Yeah. Uh, it does concern me that I, there seems to be the Bell thing has been confirmed. The, the severity of it has been questioned. It sounds like it's been overblown I, some. I think it's it's somewhere in the middle where... There's definitely a grain of truth there. Yeah, where he likes Bell. He was definitely was not willing to spend that much money on it. Um, and I think that, that every single report has had Bell in there somewhere and just the severity of it has been different. That does concern me where it's like, if I'm a player that just got signed and it's like, oh, my coach might not, either doesn't like me as a player, does like me, but not at that much money. Like to me, that it, that's a bad optic to go in as your first, you know, first season of head coach and your first signing is a guy they're like, it's gonna work already. Like the rumors, them trading him already, which I don't well, believe. They shot that down. Too, yeah, too. I don't like, believe not, that. But could they look into it next year? They yeah. could. That that to me is super concerning. I'm just concerned with the Jets. Oh, absolutely, and they give you every reason to be. Yeah, and um, and I I get, I told you I texted you. I forgot the exact line I said. He's like just rising up my hate chart. Yeah, <laughs> the way you phrased it was an, funny. At an unreal rate. I think it was. Like, he's rising up my hate chart in an unreal rate. Yeah, that was just close like, to it. Yeah. The mm-hmm. fact that he's what he's becoming like the most powerful man in the Jets organization, and I don't trust this guy it's a lick. Insane. I don't trust him a lick. And it scares me if someone else is like, this is the guy. And I, I, I want someone else to be like, oh, let's pump the brakes here, Gacy. Um, and I, I don't have, I don't know what to think. I am not, I'm not optimistic about him. I was, you know, I, I, I didn't love the hire at the beginning. I was like, you know what, I'm going to give him a chance. People seem to think he's a great offensive mind. But there's a difference between being a good head coach and being a good coordinator. Yeah. Head coach is a di- completely different skill set. You need to be a good communicator. It's not really X's and O's in much. It's, it's. I need to get guys. I need an offensive co- coordinator who can do what I want. I need a defensive coordinator who can do what I want. Which there's I, no proof that Dalla Loggins can do anything. Exactly. And it scares me that I, Gase could be a phenomenal offensive coordinator. does not mean you're a good head coach. That There's a complete different skill set. And it scares the shit out of me that Gase is like just getting more and more power every day. He's just like, give me. It, <laughs> it's like the gif. There was a good gif from the office when Dwight... Has he wants to? Uh, he has to like fire somebody. Mike has to fire somebody, and Dwight says, "I'll do it." But you have to basically give me all the power. He's like, "Say it, give me all the power." Three, two, one, say it. And he just keeps doing it. <laughs> I feel like that was the exact meeting with with Wood or Johnson, where he's like, "Give me all the power." One, two, three, say it. And then and then he said it. He's like, "Okay, you have all the power." And that scares the shit out of me. I don't trust Gase. I don't trust Gase pe- people around him. I'm scared. I'm um, scared. I, going back to this past off season. I just didn't want Adam Gase. I just didn't. I didn't want Adam Gase or Mike McCarthy. It sounds like they were number two and three on Chris Johnson's wish list, yeah. with Matt Rule being number one. Right. Um, if they had hired Matt Rule or even Cliff Kingsbury or Todd Munkin, and then this same thing happened where they fired McCagnan and the one of those guys was going to be leading the GM search, to, I would have been totally on board with this. The way that this went down, um, especially Rule because he's been a program builder. I know college is slightly different, but. As a college head coach, you are kind of doing the job of head coach and GM to a certain extent. You're setting the path for, yeah. I mean, you have your recruiting director or whatever, and your assistant coaches are on the recruiting trail. The point is, you're setting the agenda for all of that. Yeah. So, if he was picking a GM to work with him, and even if it meant he didn't have roster control, but he's picking a guy, hey, this is what we're looking for to build this team in the image that we want to, and he is the guy you're talking about. Matt Rule's not an X's and guys. He's a CEO type. Yeah. I would be 150% on board with what's going on. Now, what I have to hope for is the absurd dream scenario of, like, one up in Cleveland and the way they've built their front office where they need to hire, like, Peyton Manning 
and Joe Douglas and Daniel Jeremiah to get like all the boxes checked. And in the end, they're going to end up with, I don't know, some guy from like a third tier job in Detroit or something. Yeah. <laughs> like, who yeah. I've never heard of before. Right. Yeah. I... The only good thing I think of of the Jets is like, just can Darnold be good enough to like over overmatch this circus? Oh, good quarterbacks can paper over everything, right? Yeah. I mean, that's what happened with the first five years of Luck's career. Like yeah. the fact that Ryan Griggs still had a job all that time—he's terrible. Yeah. It's a terrible GM. Yeah, uh, I'm sure the circus is not over. They're no, going to be twists and turns. Before, before week one, we'll have three other things that happen. So, uh. all right, I have one quick Yankees note as we're watching them try to come back. Um, hopefully, they'll win this game. Uh, um, we had talked a couple weeks ago uh, about when all the guys come back healthy uh-huh. if that throws everything off and I said I'm not too worried it's going to kind of be one guy at a time and that is the way it's kind of going the more important thing, thing that's, that's interested me about this is for one of the most analytically driven teams the way they are this whole, where the whole like movement is going with hitting is it's all about launch angle how hard you hit the ball, which anyone can get on board with hit the ball harder, right? Yeah. Uh, but long, launch angle, strikeouts don't matter, walks and hitting the ball hard and far is what matters, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm on board with all of those things to a degree, especially getting walks and hitting home runs or trying to hit a home run and ending up with a double like is not the end of the world, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the thing that I haven't loved is the idea that strikeouts are fine and that we can swing for the fences every single time we're swinging the bat. Drives me absolutely nuts. And the thing that I've noticed that is changing, and it's something they hinted at before the season, but early when they still had relatively good health, they still weren't doing much of, but I feel like they've had a bigger focus on, is you don't have to swing for the fences every single at-bat, every single swing of every single at-bat. You And I'm not saying that it's got to be hit and runs and stolen bases and sacrifice bunts and stuff like that, mm-hmm. but there's a big difference between... I'm coming up to lead off an inning and I'm going to try and pop a solo home run real quick and having a man on third with no outs. Because you don't fucking need a home run. Right. <laughs> and especially if you get down 0-2, you really don't need to strike out in that time. Now, you can start arguing about the relative values of there's a guy on first and second with no outs. Would I rather strike out than a double play? Sure. But I'd also, if you got a guy, or if you got a guy on second and third with one out or something like that, swing for the fences and try and get a sack fly if you want. But make contact. I mean, I do think that there needs to be a little bit more judicious application of which way you're leaning towards that. Mm-hmm. Would you agree with that? Yeah. I mean, the Mets have been increasing their use of analytics slowly, right? Have you been noticing any sort of change in the trends? Not really. Um, I mean, the Mets, the Mets just don't hit home runs. <laughs> <laughs> Outside of Pete Alonso. Yeah, other than Pete Alonso, Mets don't hit any home runs. Um, but I, I don't know if you noticed. I don't know how many Yankee games you've seen in the I, last couple of weeks. I haven't watched that many. Um, I don't. What, what does that have to do with the players in compared to players coming back? Well, because they still don't have... Hicks has only been back a couple of days. Um, Sanchez has been back for now a week or so. But they still don't have Stanton. They still don't have Judge. They still don't have Didi. Not that it really affects Didi that much. But with a guy like... Sanchez being back and being relatively healthier, um, and then bringing back Judge and Stanton. I'm curious to see if that shift, because they have had guys steal bases a little bit. They have done the odd bunt or two, but the big thing is they've been focusing on getting hits more. They're, I mean, they scored 13 runs yesterday, and they only hit like one home run. Gotcha. So you're 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 ner- a little bit nervous, is what you're saying? Yes. Of them coming back and then still swing for the fences. Yes. Got it. Swing for the fences 100 percent of the time, the right. way they had been. Right. 
Got it. Um, I that's the thing that specifically I'm concerned about with bringing that back. Not that I think you need to pull off a bunch of hit and runs with with Judge and everything, but like a guy like Lemayhew, the reason I loved that signing was because he's a contact first hitter, but he hits the ball hard too, and he's hitting 320 and he's had a couple home runs, not many, but he's hitting doubles, whatever. He's getting, um, I mean he he he's hitting the ball to all fields. Yeah. Um, whereas I contrast it with a guy like Torres has been hitting really well recently, but he's not taking that approach. Like they shifted aggressively on him yesterday. They have three guys on the left side of the infield. Smoke the ball right at the shortstop. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and the shortstop and the second baseman were like standing literally right next to each other. Somehow he almost got between the two of them, but didn't. Right. Um, and that's the sort of thing that I don't understand why they can't do more of. The Yankees are finally doing more of in the last few weeks by necessity. But what I'm saying is, can we not have a little bit of give and take between I'm going for all in for the home run right now or I'm going to try and not necessarily like, hell, you can swing for the fences at times and with a guy on third who you're going to try and drive in with a sack fly. But it doesn't, do we have to sacrifice it all? All contact and strike out when we miss on that? Yeah. I, I don't think, I don't think Stanton's going to be able to do that. Stanton's going to be, Stanton's just a swing. I'm either striking, I'm missing the ball from four feet or I'm hitting a mile. <laughs> um, I don't think he's changing. Judge, I think, has the capability to, to do that. I don't think they're, they're going to ask him to do that. Um, but I, yeah, I said this to you a couple weeks ago and I, I think it was, people would have heard that question and be like, are you stupid? What are you stupid? <laughs> um, and I, I wasn't like saying that I would think, you know, be, be concerned with that, but at some point you're going to get all your guys back and the, the good stuff you guys got going on is going to change a little bit. It's, you still might be winning games, but it's not going to be the way you're winning games now. And with, with guys that strike out. A lot, but also hit bombs. It's just gonna be you're not gonna be having this small ball as much as you guys are not having it now. Yeah, so. and that's my concern is that it'll. I mean, I understand there's going to be a natural correction towards that. I just don't know why it has to be all or nothing all the time. Yeah, it's just I think it's player skill set, and I think I don't think Stan can try to be a small ball guy. He'll never be able to do it. No, but the thing is that the other guys in the lineup can be allowed to do it. Like, yeah, like Brett Gardner's. Power numbers in the last two years have spiked. Well, yeah, he has to be that type of guy. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, it, I don't. We don't. I don't need him to try and hit 25 home runs. Right. I'm perfectly fine with him hitting 15 home runs if he's going to have 30 points higher on his average. Yeah. Which he often doesn't. Right. Moving on. The Mets. Fuck them. <laughs> yeah, you and uh, you and Mike have been very upset with the Mets, justifiably so. Uh, in the last couple days. Yeah, I mean... Well, it's, M- Mike is the one who really went in on it today. Yeah, I, I'm not... It's not like I'm surprised for you. <laughs> or even, like, shocked by this. I mean, it's just the life in the Mets. You start out April hot. May hits and people forget how to play. Um, we can never get on the same page. We either pitch well and can't hit or we can hit and can't pitch. This is the thing I was saying about the Yankees a couple weeks. And it's ago. just like... It's, it's, it's expected at this point. But I just don't know what... like. The only thing I can hope is we don't, like, let this... Like, we just finish out May, like, just hanging on. Just barely hanging 500. on. Yeah. Just, like, finish finish out the month. Just don't lose every game. Just don't lose every game. Just win, like, four of them. And just hang on, regroup in June, and just somehow cling. And, you know, maybe at the deadline we get somebody. We sell low. We, we buy low on somebody that, that can help us. Like, Kelly Johnson did. <laughs> Kelly Johnson was, like, a best player on our team. Um... And I can pray that happens. Uh, I'm shocked Mickey Callaway has a job. It's not really his fault. The, the injuries have started piling up now. So it's not even like it's on him anymore. He's not making decising that are costing the, the team games. Conforto's out. 
Uh, Lowry probably is never going to play a game as a Met. Uh, <laughs> Cespedes. Wait, was it a one-year deal? No, it's two years. Okay. But he's on the 60-day DL. Um, Cespedes, I never... Ex- that The news today of him bro- breaking his ankle was ankles, very... Ankles, possibly. Yeah, who, who knows how many ankles. Could be an arm in there. We have no idea. Could have a concussion. We have. No, he's probably dead. Oh my god! Um, Didn't wait. Doesn't someone else have a concussion? No. Yes. Conforto had a concussion. Oh, Conforto. Um, but I never expected anything from from Cespedes this year. Like we might be. Able, we might. Well, have been once able he to said he was going to hit the double surgery, it seemed doubtful that they, he was going to contribute meaningfully this yeah, year. Yeah. They they said like, maybe late August he comes back. Okay, late August he comes back and he he plays like nine games for us. Well, originally that was the timeline for Didi, and now they're saying he's going to be back in June. Yeah, but. Cespedes was never... If he was coming back, I was not going to expect much from him. So the fact that he's out, it sucks just because he broke ankles. But, I mean, what... On a non-horse. He, on a non-horse. <laughs> I, I, the only reason so what was he riding? A donkey? That, like, no, that phrase had to be a contract thing. Yeah. Like, he, if he ever got hurt by a horse... Like, well, that because that was the first thing I said to you guys. Yeah. Was like, I wonder if they go after his contract. And then once I saw a non-horse, I'm like, that's a contract thing. He's either lying But or... it's weird that it came out... Was that what Brody said or was that what a report no, said? No, I think a report said okay. it. Um, it was a non-horse. <laughs> well, I think it was one because it was a contract thing and two, everybody was saying horse. Because it goes back to the Aaron Boone thing yeah. where he tore his ACL playing basketball, basketball and yeah. there was language in the contract saying he couldn't play basketball right. apparently and they avoided his contract. Right. So I think that was why. Um, but again, I was never expecting much from Cespedes this season. So that, to me, the injury isn't like... That doesn't really... It doesn't concern me that much. It just sucks because, like, oh, we might have been able to get him late in the season, and the injury is freak. That's the only thing I, that I'm thinking about. And Cespedes, the, the concerning part is we can't get on this. Nothing can click at the same time. We can't hit or we can't pitch. I'm guessing his ankles are going to click after this. Yeah, his, he's done. He's done. It's David Wright 2.0. He's just never <laughs> playing again. Um, Minus the goodwill. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, the years of well-earned goodwill, by the way. But. Yeah, I mean... Well, on a less hilarious but more important um, topic, um, at this point we're now almost a third of the way through the season, right? Uh, they played about 50 games? Mm, yeah. Um, how do you feel now as opposed to in the preseason when they hired Brody? Because, I, I mean, I understand I'd be tarred with the Mets hater brush, I mean, Yankee fan, whatever, but I was skeptical of the hire and the moves that he started making. You guys were more open-minded, which... That's fine. I don't have a problem with that. I liked the bro. I was one of the few that liked Brody right away to hire because I knew the Wilpons. They needed someone like that who's going to get creative with. He's not. They're not spending money. We need you to get creative with how to get players. And I was fine with that. I'm still fine. I'm still good with Brody. I, t- to me, it's he's he's got good players. There's some of like Jacob Degrom has like a 4.5 ERA. Yeah, what's been going on with him? Because I haven't seen him pitch lately, but I know he's been struggling. He, he, I mean, he had the thing before when he was before he got injured. He was out, came back, pitched well, and then he got rocked up by the like by the Marlins. And I'm like, something's off with him. Syndergaard's been awful. Like, that's not bro- Brody. Wheeler's been up and down too, yeah, right? And that, well, that's always Wheeler. That that's Wheeler to True. a T. Is I'm going to be up and down, and then maybe like the last two months I'll just be lights out, and they're like, oh, he's a great, he's an ace. And then it just goes back to what Did it I was. hear the people even missing Vargas? I've, I've been leading that train, baby. <laughs> I'm on the Vargas train for sure. Um, Words I did not expect to hear. Yeah. I, I was not... I've never been as low as on Vargas as others. I've always made Namely fun of him. Me. <laughs> but most people. I've always said, like, he's not as bad as people think. He's not good. He's a fifth starter, and that's fine. Um... Well, and their their five starters are not on Ben Wagon. He those guys all predate his. Yeah, firing. and and you know the only real bad thing that has shown is Cano, 
and Isn't that's been bad, and that's been bad. But like, he, he Cano, I still think can come out of this. I, I'm not, I'm not really. Re- do you? Because I'm very close to dropping him in fantasy. Oh, that would I would do that for sure. Well, he's he's been dropped to my bench for weeks. Now, yeah, I, I've just been hard, having a hard time pulling the trigger on getting rid. I of don't him. think Cano is like a two fifty hitter the rest of the season. He's basically that's what he is. I. I if he's a two fifty hitter, like that, that's gonna be a, that's gonna be a bad look for Brody. It was an annoying argument all the years that he was a Yankee about the hustle when he was hitting three twenty. Yes, it's a lot. It makes a lot more sense when he's hitting two fifty. Yes, and that's that's kind of my thing with I I saw one of the hustle thing. I didn't see the other one. Um, I heard one of them was he thought the ball was going foul. That's what didn't. I saw. Okay. Um, it, was it? Bad? It was straight. Like he fouled it straight down. And it just like trickled forward, and I don't know why he thought it was a foul ball. Maybe he like the ball he, bounced he, behind he, a plate. Yeah, he thought it was behind the plate and that made it a foul ball. Yeah, I don't know. He played baseball for yeah. twenty years, like he should and, know that, that rule by now. And the thing, I don't. If the other don't, one was he he thought there was two outs. Yeah, the two out. I didn't see it, but I knew he thought there was two outs. There was only one. But out. I, I know I, I heard that if you look at the video, it clearly says one out. Yeah, I didn't I didn't see the actual video, but I, yeah, that was he said there was he thought there was two outs. There was one out. Um, my guess is like a double play ball or something. He didn't run out. That's, well, that's exactly what it was. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, but I, it sounded like if he had run it out, he had a very good chance of making it, yeah. which is why it was an issue. And I don't have an issue with players if you're batting three thirty or hitting bombs and you don't you bust every play. I'm not going to kill you. It's it's when you're batting two thirty, two forty, two fifty, and there's nothing going request. well. Nothing's going well. All right, at least try it, you fucking asshole. Let's <laughs> let's, let's just act. You don't even have to pretend try. Pretend to try. To pretend, just make a face when you're running down the line. Like I'm fucking booking it, boys. Gotta hit him with the lineman job. Yeah, like just 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 grunt Pump those arms, baby. <laughs> grunt, just huff and puff. Do something. The where thing it's is, like, no one will look at your legs if you pump your arms hard. Yeah, and that's it's, how the lineman run works. And it's like, uh, I, I'm not gonna, you know, I'm not all out on Cano yet, but it's been, he hasn't been what we've been hoping. He had a one streak where he kind of got hot, you know, for a couple of weeks. We're like, oh, maybe it was early in the season. No, he had a great oh, start, yeah. and then tailed off, and then it was like, oh, he's he might be coming Did back. Did he go on the DL briefly? Oh uh, no, I, I, so. I don't know. Why I thought he was, or he was hurt and missed like a game or two. Or something maybe like that. I don't. I don't think he's missed many games. Um, and there was a you know a brief stint where we're like, oh, maybe he's you know finally figuring out, and then it just went back to to normal with him not doing anything. Um, but I'm not ready. To sell, I am worried about him, but I'm not ready to say, uh, you know, this is this is not going to work out. Now, did they did they DFA Broxton? Not that I know of. Oh, I don't. Unless it I, happened today. I saw some. No, I saw something yesterday. He was concerned with his playing time. Well, they were talking about the whole accountability thing because they DFA Darno. Yes. And the way that it was in a tweet, the way it was phrased, I thought that maybe this weekend they DFA Broxton. I missed the news, and that's what I was wondering. I didn't know if that was what happened or not. Unless I missed it, I didn't. So see no, there's been some complaints about him, and they're like they only have the obvious candidates to show the quote unquote accountability, but they won't go after the guys who are actually the problem, like Cano, and they finally maybe benched him today. Yeah. He so he was he was designated for assignment. Yeah. So. So that that was when Conforto got hurt. Okay. Um, it's and a Carlos it's, Gomez got. I know that Carlos Gomez came up. I didn't realize it was the same transaction. It's hard to take it seriously when those guys who are the low hanging fruit are the only ones that you're going to make an example of. Yeah. You have to make an example of a guy like Cano to kick some fire into these guys, right? Yeah, and that's I kind of expected Callaway to get fired because not one, not because he was doing a bad job. I really don't think he's been doing that bad of a job. It's just we need something like we need a spark. We need something to change. Yeah. And. Brody or um, uh, Callaway had basically was defending Cano. He he, he said he you know, he's got to try harder, but or but he ne- he didn't send a message by any by any means. 
Well, and then it, it came out even more ham-handed today because he said it sounds like he was like he said he's being benched in part because of the hustle thing. But then Cano said, "I thought this was a prearranged day off." Yeah, so, yeah. Callaway, to me, has to go just because of where the team is, and they need this is a win. Brody construct this as a win now team, so you can't like just throw the games away when it's not going well. You need to change something, and Mickey has not shown stuff. Shown a resume where it's like, no, he's gonna correct this. Like he's just, it's bro. This could be what Mickey is. Well, like, the other thing is you can you can kind of pass off some. Okay, he's a relatively young manager still. Some X's and O things occasionally are gonna fall through the cracks. Um, the guys who aren't playing up to the back of their batting cards thing, all that injuries you can't account for. Yeah. But part of the reason he was hired was that he was supposed to be forward thinking and an excellent communicator. And if he's not able to do right. those things right, then what is the point of having him? Anymore? Right. That's, I agree with that. That's what I, yeah, we, same exact thing I was saying with a head coach in football. Like you have to be a good, like the best thing to be as a head coach or manager is a good communicator. And Mickey Calloway has not shown he can do that. Yeah. Um, players are like, wait, what? What'd he say? <laughs> he said, what? Well, I'm saying, the, the, this Cano thing is kind of endemic of that where it's like the, they're not on the same page. But the fact that he was not fired after the Marlins series. It seemed like it was building to that fever pitch. But and they gave him kind happen. of a boat of confidence. Yeah, and they today. didn't do that. Makes me think they're going to rock with him for, for a while. His leash is a lot longer than I thought it was. Uh, yeah, I agree, based on the way the conversation was going the last few days. Because what Van Wagenen said today is he's our manager now and for the future. Now, I didn't that, even hear that. That, that, hear that, that, that was the quote that came out of that press conference he gave today. Mm. He said, like, we just had a meeting. Because remember, they were supposed to have a press conference. It ended up being pushed, pushed back. back yep. It was to announce the Cespedes thing. It was to announce the vote of confidence for Callaway. Yeah. And he said, we just came out of a meeting. We hashed out what we're doing, what our plan is, et cetera, so on. He goes, Mickey isn't going anywhere. He's our manager now, and he's a manager for the future. Yeah. Now, if does the future mean to the All-Star break? It probably means more than a week, yeah. barring some horrendous flub coming in the next week, right? Um, does that mean until the All-Star break? Does it mean to the end of the year? Does it mean... No, no, no. He is here for, like, years. Like, we're playing out his contract. I have no idea. I would doubt it's that. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I saw the him basically say, no, he's our guy. I didn't see the future thing. That I don't know how many years his contract was. I'm guessing it's probably three or four. I That's think pretty it was, standard. I think it's three, and this is either... This is year two. Yeah, so he, he either has a year or two left. Yeah. So, I mean, I could see his future meaning... It's the next year, but Brody doesn't strike me as a guy that he'll be. He he seems like a cutthroat guy where he's like, "All right, this is the final straw. I'm done with you." But I think he's gonna give him a longer leash. But who the fuck knows with this team? Who the hell knows, man? It's all confusing. I never bought into the plan earlier this year of what Van Wagenen was preaching about them being the big contender right off the bat. I just honestly don't think they're super talented. I think everything has to go right for them to be a good team. No, I and then they could be a good team if everything goes right. I think they are talented. You, you, DeGrom pitching the way he is, surprise. Sure. Syndergaard pitching the way he's pitching, surprise. Somewhat. Uh, I, don't love, got, I don't love Syndergaard. He's got to string it together for more than a start or two. He, he's, he's, he's had multiple times where it's more than a start or two. And not, he's not since the rookie year, really, And he's, his career RA is like a 299. And he's, pitching, he's got like a you force. Sure it's that low? Yeah, it's... It might be a three, like it's it's around two nine nine three zero, um, and it's this year it's like a four six, like that's massive difference. Mm. Um, Wheeler, we've always he's up and down. He's going to be a guy who goes seven innings or four innings, and you know Matson and and Vargas were to me serviceable four and five. The the, the issues have been Cano, Ramos, 
and now going to have injuries with, with Conforto and Lowry never coming back. So, to me, Ramos is a surprise. Cano is a surprise. See, Ramos wasn't that much of a surprise to me. I didn't understand the hype for that acquisition. He's he is a better catcher than what he's shown. He's batting like two twenty. He's a better hitter than two twenty. Yeah, but the thing is, he's really only done that for like a year and a half. I don't know what he his... had a lot more years where he was just okay. Yeah, I'm not. But sure the bigger he... thing is that he's playing horrendously defensively, and that's not something that was supposed to happen. Well, that's that's just the Mets. We're just we don't care defensively. So, so I was reading something today or yesterday about the up the middle defense and the amount of defensive runs, like negative defensive runs for second base, shortstop. Center field and catcher were all horrendous. Yeah, defensively, it's a nightmare. Like anytime Lagaris isn't playing, their defense is horrendous. Yeah, um, but and like t- Rosario t- was like thirty fourth out of thirty seven. He's had like a bad, def- and that's the thing with the Rosario is he he's the same thing as the pitching and hitting. He can, he's either great at the plate or great in the field. He can't do both he, for some reason. He can't do both in the same at the same time. But Ramos, I'm just looking at just want to look because I I remember his stats being pretty good. His career average is 272. That's in the last couple of years he's been at over 300. 297, 306. Well, the year he made the All Star with the the, the Rays, they traded him to Phillies. Yeah. And that was a very strong yeah, he year. Had a but it's the outlier in his career. That, no, he's had 307, 306, 297. Like that's three of the last five years. But I don't and think this he, year had, he didn't have any power most of those years. Uh, it was it was a 22. Soft. Dingers 15, 15. That's that's a good. Those are good. Twenty two was good. Yeah, alongside that, yeah. And I, I was kind of. That's what I'm saying. There's kind of one outlier year is what I'm, I'm saying. But the other two are, are, are yeah, not had, that far off. He's had but. three. You know, at the last five years, three of the last five years have been good. I thought years. it was basically two years. Yeah, like three. Okay. And he's batting. This is his low. Right now, he's batting two thirty eight, which is the the second lowest in his career. Yeah. And that last time that happened was like in 2010. So. Which is his rookie year. Yeah. So it. He's been disappointed. This is way worse than I was expecting. I, I don't know what we, we did the projections. The thing is, he's just we he's, kinda... he's on the older side, and that's why I like I just didn't think it was sustainable at this point in his career. Yeah, is is why I didn't love. Like I, I was I wasn't like hugely objecting to it. It's just like if it, it felt like too much stock was being placed in him, like too much faith was being placed in him and being really good, and I, I just didn't see that. I don't know if it was he had to be really good. He just he had to be an upgrade. We had nothing from a hitting standpoint. From the catchers. And the other thing regarding Callaway that's uh, be frustrating is his insistence on having him catch DeGrom when his numbers are dramatically Yes, that should definitely Nito. be Nito. Um, I don't know why he fights that. It, it's so obvious. And well, especially when it's, it's not like it was like one start. Like it's they, They've had like an equal amount of starts right. and he's got like a, almost a 6 ERA or something like that with, with Ramos and he's got like a 1 ERA yeah. with Nito. So to, again, to me, it's this team has talent. The injuries now piling up is going to you're going to have to fight through that. And we're going to need guys that have proven in their their, their past that they can, can contribute with. Ramos has shown that he can contribute, and Cano has shown he can contribute. And neither of them are, are giving anything, and we need we need them to be, if not even if what they've been, just like 80% of it. Just give us, you have to give us something. My issue with Van Wagenen's start to this year was that he was building it like a contender, and I thought they were at least a year away from that. And... All of the acquisitions. Diaz has been good, right? Yeah, Diaz has been good. He had a couple shaky... But overall, yeah, he's, he's been got, strong. Yeah, not the way he's been no, the last couple of years, but, but he's still been, representative, he's of, representative of, of, of what you needed him to be. Right. But Cano's been bad. Yes. Ramos has been bad. Yes. Broxton's given you nothing. Yep. Lowry's been hurt, but that's always been Lowry. He's always been hurt, so relying on him is not much. All these guys that he brought in just haven't paid off so far. And I know it's not the end of the world. We're right. not the end of the season yet, but 
we're now having a representative sample size for the season. So for sure. Um, now, on the other hand, it's not all of Van Wagenen because I think that he wouldn't have got hired if he didn't say that. Yes. So I think they had other candidates, legitimate candidates, who told the Wilpons, we're not ready this year. And then they said, thank you for coming in. We'll give you a call later. We, we've talked about it before. I'm not going to go too too in-depth on it. but It was pre-show, but we can save it for another episode. Yeah. Um, on just my thoughts on... This, to me, was a kind of a bittersweet time to go for it because, one, I do think the roster, the way it was constructed, you had to go for it, but it was just the worst time considering every other team in the NL East decided they were going to go for it the same year. Except for the Marlins. Exactly, except for the Marlins. But this is the best the division's ever been, basically has ever been. For a while, yeah. Um, and that was the year decided to go for it, but I understand it just considering the pitching you had and you had to go for it. So I, I'm not going to blame Brody for that. Um this team does have talent. It's just not fucking living up to it. And we're it's just the same old Mets where guys come in, free agents come in, and they just fucking shit the bed. Where it really becomes same old Mets is when you fall off a horse. Not a horse. Yeah. <laughs> but not not horse. Maybe a goat or something. Uh, anything else before we wrap this up? Oh, God. Fuck the team. All right. Remember to rate and review us, guys, if you've been enjoying the show. Uh, that's all for this week's episode of the Spin Tune Sports Show. You reach us on Twitter at Spin Tune Sports and at The Spin Tune. You can find me and Shafe as well at Alessandro B 1187 and at Shafe Spur. See you next week. Later.